Good morning. What an awesome day, an awesome uh, worship, music, set, whatever you want to call it. What an awesome day to be able to be with each other, together, gathered as the saints of God. It is such a means of grace from God that he gives us each other. And then he allows us as one body to worship and serve, lift up, edify, and love each other. I want to thank you so much for how, how you've done that with my family. During the loss of loved ones, during difficulty in my own family. Continue to pray for our family as we are mourning the loss of Anna's grandfather and just working through that. Pray for my sweet wife. She's lost a lot over the last six months. Pray for me today as I prepare to preach his funeral and I'm helping, I'm co-preaching his funeral with a, another pastor friend who I respect deeply. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being there for us. It is truly a measure of God's good grace to us. Will you spend some time with me this morning in prayer as we go to the Lord? Holy God, there is none like you. We could search the highest heavens or the deepest pit and not find a love like yours. Not find kindness not find mercy, not find grace like yours. There is no one with your power, with your knowledge, with your wisdom. There is none like you. Far above anything we could hope, dream, imagine, formulate, far above anything this world could possibly make. Lord, in our humility, allow us to see you as you are, as we see us as we are. Help us to have a right view and image of ourselves. Would you allow the Holy Spirit to use the scriptures in our lives to, to change us, to make us new, to continue in the work of sanctification in our lives? Would you allow us every day to be a visible image of Christ Jesus? 
as we pursue unity and strength in the body of Christ, as we love our spouses, as we discipline and teach and love our children, as we love our neighbor as ourselves, as we work in our ministry field. Would you allow us to have humble confidence in the work that you have done and not in ourselves? Would you help us to be teachers of the next generation to follow the great God of the universe? That one day we may humbly and willingly bow before Christ and confess with all the rest of the world that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, would your spirit give us a sense of desperation today that we may be desperate for your word, desperate for your glory, desperate for your church, So desperate that it causes us to pursue you in a way that we never have before. Would you teach us, train us, mold us. That we may do so to the next generation. We praise you God. We ask that you rain down on this service. Open our hearts and our minds. Let your word reign supreme for your glory. It's in the matchless and holy and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to be looking again today in Romans. Paul's letter to the churches surrounding Rome, the church at Rome and then the churches in the region around Rome. We're going to be in Romans for the next few weeks, chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Verses 3 through 8, I think, outline for us something obviously vastly important, or I wouldn't say it, but it outlines for us how we, knowing what God has done for us, how we respond to the church, to the body of Christ. So I've titled this sermon in the next few, The Ministry of the Church to the Church. The last few weeks we've been discussing our response to God based on all that we know about Him. And what we've seen from Romans 12, 1 and 2 is that our most reasonable response to the Lord based on what we know about Him is sacrificial service that is motivated by His character, His goodness, and the mercy that He so richly bestows upon us. Sacrificial service. This happens to us because God's work in us by the rich mercies of God transforms our hearts and our minds to where the most simply stated, the most reasonable and responsible and easy action that
that a person who is changed by this work can take is sacrificial worship to the Lord. Because He changes the way we live. He changes the way we think about others. We think about ourselves. If we are not being, or excuse me, if we are being overwhelmed by the working of, our, of the Spirit of God in our lives, then it will change us to be more like Him. And simply put, if we are not being overwhelmed by the working of the Spirit of, the God, of God in our lives, we should be concerned whether or not the Spirit of God lives in us at all. Because He is either moving in us, whether small or big, He is either moving in us or He is not in us at all. He is filling, filling us. That's what He does. Just as our sacrificial worship is the most reasonable thing for us, the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer fills the life of a believer. That's what He does. So the natural response is that we present our body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. If Romans 12, 1-2 is our response to God because of all the things He's done for us, then Romans 12, 3-8 is our response to others because of the things that the Lord has done for us. So our next few verses, we will be talking about the ministry of the church to the church. We, I want to read today Romans 12. I'm going to read 3 through 4 because I think that's all I'm going to finish. But oddly enough, this sermon includes 5. It'll probably get to it next week. Well, who knows? We'll figure it out. Romans 12, 3 through 4. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think, too, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. This is the word of the Lord. What I need us to see over the next few weeks is what the ministry of the church is to the church. And the first level that I think the first layer of our ministry as the body of Christ is what Paul says in Romans 12, 3. And that is we must judge ourselves with sober judgment. The first layer of ministering to the church is Humility. Paul says, for by the grace given to me, Paul has an understanding here that if there is any good in him, if there is anything that he is able to teach, anything that he is able to pass along to the church or to the next generation, that it only comes because he has received the grace of God. It comes from the mercies of God. Paul says, if there is any acceptable service in me, if there is any sacrifice from me, if there is anything worthy of hearing and taking and replicating, it comes by the grace of God, by the grace given to me. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I am not perfect, but by, by the grace of God, here is what I know. Here is what I know. And what is his request 
to the churches at Rome, which subsequently becomes a request to the churches all around, which subsequently becomes a request to us. What is his request? He says, have sober judgment. Do not think too highly of yourself, but think of yourself with sober judgment. Paul is saying that we must have a right estimation of ourselves. Sober thinking is clear thinking is right thinking. Remember, this section is about our thinking as it pertains to other Christians, to the church. Remember also that the Lord is covering in Romans 12, 1 and 2 and Romans 12, 3 through 8. He is covering what he said sums up all the law and the prophets. Our response to God because of what we know about Him and our response to others because of what we know about Him. Paul is covering those two things in these verses and it is important that we see that today. This section today then is our true ministry, our reasonable worship as it pertains to others. And the first layer of that, I think, is humility. Humility. That is brought, and humility is brought about by right thinking. What I want to do is I just want to take a cue from Paul in what he does here. And in trying to teach humility, he says, this is what humility is not. He is putting a dark background so that when you see that diamond of humility, you can, it is ever more crisp ever more sparkling, ever more clear, because you see the dark background of what humility is not. So Paul points out what wrong thinking is, and I want to do that today. So under this first thought, wrong thinking is thinking too highly of yourself. Paul says, here's what humility is not. Humility is not thinking too highly of yourself. Do not think more highly of yourselves than you should, Paul says. Now, this can come from many ways. This can come from family history or wealth or status. There's a famous saying, um, and, you know, we say it, probably you've said it, and we don't think about it too much, but we probably shouldn't say it. Um, the famous saying is, it's not what you know, right? You can finish that. It's who you know. Some of us have sort of skated through life, maybe, um, we all have some level of help through life, but some of us have gone through life by who we know. And so it might be a sense of pride for us, who we know. Um, but Paul says wrong thinking is to think too highly of yourself because of family history or wealth or status. This would have been key in uh, this time because... Everything, they, their whole life, their whole subsistence would have come from what was given to them. Now, they helped work on the field. They helped raise the animals. But that, their inheritance would have been something that would have been a lot larger then than it is now. Mostly, all of the rest of us in this world are pretty even. You know, if you get an inheritance, it might be a couple of thousand dollars. It's not going to change your life. But almost every inheritance of that time would have changed their life. And so Paul is saying, look, I know that your, so, your status in many ways is built up on who you are or where you come from or what's been given to you. 
But we all have to remember the place from whence we came. We all have to have the right mindset about ourselves. Maybe it's that we trust in our own ability. Or our level of sanctification. Maybe we look at ourselves and we think highly of ourselves because we are where we are now and we're not where we were before. And we've forgotten that if we are here, it is only by the grace of God, as Paul says. Maybe at times we are like the Pharisee who says, I really thank God I'm not like that person. When we should be like the tax collector who says, I am a wretched sinner. Not to think too highly of ourselves. Maybe we are haughty because of the local church or because of our theological beliefs. We think we've got it all together. We sort of smirk or laugh at the ones who don't. Paul is saying, look, don't have a hyper opinion of yourself here. Because the way that you are now is only because of what I've done in you, of what Christ has done in you. Don't have a hyper opinion of yourselves. Thinking too highly of ourselves is always sinful. It is always sinful. Here's why I think it's always sinful. Because when we're thinking too highly of ourselves, we often get to that point because we often take credit that belongs to God. Thinking too highly of ourselves, we get to that point because we say, we somehow look at where we are and we say, I think I did this. I think I did this. Let me, you know what? Here's proof. Let me find more ways to get more of this. Instead of taking what we've gotten and given an, giving an offering to the Lord, we think of ways that we can get more of what we've gotten because we think we got it in the first place. Thinking too highly of ourselves is always sinful because often it revolves around taking credit from God when it's His credit. Thinking too highly of ourselves is often sinful or is almost always, probably always sinful because we often compare ourselves to others. The reason the Scriptures are so important, the reason uh, a knowledge of God is so important is because if we are to compare ourselves to anything, it is to God Himself. We are to compare ourselves to the perfect standard. But often, we th often thinking too highly of ourselves is sinful because often it causes us to compare ourselves to others. I am not like this. He is not like me. I am way further than him. Even comparing yourself to old you can be sinful because you are not using a right standard of measurement. Boy, I'm sure glad I'm not like I used to be. Or maybe if we can just get things back like they used to be. Where God says, just be holy as I am holy. Not be like you used to be or celebrate fully not being like you used to be, but be holy. Thinking too highly of ourselves is sinful because we often 
compare ourselves to others, which is the wrong standard of measurement. And often thinking too highly of ourselves is simple because we often use tools of comparison that God does not honor. Some of the things I've mentioned already, wealth or status, maybe it's even looks or likability or type of person. Honestly, it's crazy. It happened last night as I was finishing up. Um, Emily came into the office and Millie came behind her and Millie was wearing plastic clip-on earrings. And I thought she was beautiful. I thought she was beautiful. I mean, obviously, I think she's beautiful anyway, but she was wearing these plastic clip-on earrings and she went, I mean, this is Millie. She went, you know, just prison. <laughs> and Emily came in and she was like, I was like, you are so beautiful. Uh, you know, and don't give me the beautiful thing. I, I teach my children the beauties on the inside. Don't, don't start that with me. Um, but I said, you are so beautiful. And Emily came up to me and she says, actually, and she was, she was fighting. She was fighting everything in her. She's not really that beautiful because one earring doesn't match the other. And she was fighting everything within herself. But I could see it because Emily and I talk a lot about where beauty is because she is, you know, I told Emily, Emily later came in with earrings and her fifth set of clothes that day. And she watched me pin, Daddy, watch me pin. And so she spun around and she, you know, did the flip. And I said, you are so pretty and so beautiful. And she said, I know. <laughs> she struggles. She struggles with those things. She struggles with those things. And you know it. I know it. I think she knows it. And we're going to work on those things. But often, you laugh. You laugh at my four-year-old daughter, right? But hey, how often have we thought less of someone because they looked a little different? Or because they acted differently than we act? Or maybe because they weren't quite as likable as we wanted them to be. Or maybe they didn't fit within some preconceived idea that you had about the way someone should act. See, thinking too highly of ourselves is always sinful because often we use tools to compare to other people that God does not use. He does not use looks. He does not use status. He does not use wealth. Here's what He uses. He uses redeemed. Redeemed. Remember, friends, wisdom and knowledge are His. And He gives them to us. And He wants us to use what we know to make the best judgments about ourselves and about others. And the first step, I think, to humility is to not think too highly of yourself. But also, friends, Paul doesn't just say, don't think too highly of yourselves. He says, have sober judgment. Real, I've used this term already, but I want to describe what he's saying. He's saying, don't have a hyper opinion. That's literally, if you take that into another literal way that you can translate that. He's saying don't have a hyper opinion of yourself. So we look at this verse and we might say, yes, 
Bryce, you need to hear this. Or people like Bryce, you need to hear this. But Paul is saying don't have a hyper opinion. He's saying don't, have, don't think too highly of yourself. But also, what is another hyper opinion? He's saying don't think too lowly of yourself. Humility, or excuse me, wrong thinking is thinking also too lowly of yourselves. So many people only think that confidence and verbose people are prideful. When you think of prideful people, you think of people like me. Probably not me, but you think of people like me. But that is only one side of the pride coin. Paul said, be sober in judgment. He is saying, don't think too far of yourself in the prideful, um, arrogant, and haughty way. But he's also saying, don't think too prideful of yourself in the um, in the sort of meek way. He's saying, listen, false humility and insecurity are both secret forms of pride. False humility does this. Pick your feet up, folks. If you've had your toes stepped on before, it's coming. False humility does this. It admits small things about itself he or she admits small things about themselves so that others will think they are just being so open and transparent and honest. It's like a pastor getting up. I mean, I've seen it with pastors and I do it sometimes. I try not to. It's like a pastor getting up and saying, oh, I tell you, I struggle with sin, too, folks. I, you know, when, when my wife makes a fresh batch of cookies, I've heard this before, by the way. This is why I'm saying this. I struggle with sin, and, and he's trying to motivate his people to live holy lives. And he says, when my wife makes a fresh batch of cookies, I have trouble not taking an extra one from that cooling rack. Bro, no one wants to hear what you have. If that's all you got to say, no one wants to hear what you have. False humility admits small things about itself in order to look humble. People concede little imperfections so that other people will either do this. They will either reassure themselves or they will reassure that person, you are not, that is nothing, you are not that bad. Or, or they think, oh my gosh, if that's all this guy got, he has, he must be a saint. You know, a far out example of this is when people say, my biggest weakness is that I care too much. <laughs> this is my go-to with my wife. This is my go-to with my wife. And I am so sorrowful thinking about it. I will go to her and I'll say, listen, I know I'm not perfect. And I have problems. And then I will list to Tommy Gun. I will begin to Tommy Gun her with all of hers. I know that I did this, but here is a machine gun style view of everything you've done wrong. Giving up little failures is a tool of prideful people to keep people at arm's length. To keep people from really knowing who they are. To keep people from really seeing who they are. 
Having a sober opinion of yourself is letting people in to assure them that we are all the same apart from Christ. We are all the same in Christ. But also, friends, insecurity. A too lowly opinion of yourself. Your your insecurity tells God that His Holy Spirit is is good enough for other people, but He's not good enough for you. Your insecurity says that your problems and your situation, your situations are too big for God to overcome. It often elevates yourself to the position of, I am the only one who has ever had these problems like this. If you have convinced yourself of any of these three things, it is because you suffer from the pride of insecurity. It is a form of pride because it puts you on your own whining pedestal that says no one would understand. No one's experienced this. No one would know. But what we know about the great God of the universe and the gospel of Jesus Christ is that He has met our grief. He has met our sorrows. He has met our trials in every way. And so even if no one in your circle knows, even if no one in your sphere knows, the God of the universe who has saved you knows what you go through. He knows the trials you've been tempted with. He knows what you have experienced. And He has conquered them. And He is willing to do as such in you. Sober-minded says that the same Spirit that works in the giants of the faith works in the mice of the faith. The same sober-mindedness says that I am different from my parents. I am different from my past. I am different from my present situation. I am different from my circumstances because of Christ. And the only hindrance then to the insecure person between the insecure person and secure person is our ability to trust God and present our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is our most reasonable thing we can do. So what are we to do? What are we to do? Paul says, think of yourselves in a sober way, not in a hyper way, according to the measure of your faith. Do the best that you can on the rung of the ladder that you're on. Now, I've used this example before, but literally, Paul said it better here with what I'm trying to get across by that point. We are all at different rungs of the ladder. God, through His Holy Spirit, is lifting us. He's elevating us closer to Him. But we're all at different rungs. So there are two types of people when measuring the rungs of the ladder. There are the people who need us look at others and say... They'll get there by the grace of God. And I'll help them by the grace of God. And we'll struggle together and suffer together until they get there by the grace of God. And then there are those people that say, this is where God has me by the grace of God. I will do my best while I'm here. The person who thinks too highly of himself should look at the person on the low rung and say, I'm here until they're with me. And the person that thinks too lowly of themselves should look at the rung and say, I'm the the rung that they're on and say, I'm here until God gets me there. 
sober opinion of yourself. A right estimation of yourself. We need to humble ourselves, both the secure and the insecure. Isaiah 66 two says, All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who has a humble and contrite spirit and trembles at my word. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, in teaching, in teaching the younger generation, says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. We are called to deny ourselves daily, take up our cross daily, and follow Him. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And then He said, Be like Me. Something we must understand is this. Pride is not being confident or taking the lead or being an extrovert like some of you might think. Humility is not being quiet or shying away or being introverted. Humility is directly related to your your opinion of you and God and you and others. Humility is being able to assess the spiritual gifts that God has given you, use them to their fullest edification of the church, and to live a peaceful life in the body and in the world we live in. And each of us is given a measure of faith. And we give that back to God by humbly giving those gifts to the church. Friends, if our gifts seem like they are not present or weak, it is not because we don't have them. It is because we don't have a right assessment of ourselves that allows us to cultivate the spiritual gifts in our lives. So by the grace of God, our ultimate goal is to is to be what we read in Colossians 3, 23, 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Humility is the first layer of our ministry as the church to the church. Another thing I want to give you today, and I... When I started this, I thought I was going to not be so long-winded um, when I started preparing for this. So I'm, I've not done this before, but you'll have to just deal with it. Um, we're doing point two, subpoint A, and then subpoint B will be sometime next week. Okay? So just understand that if it confuses you. So point two, the idea here is we must function as a member of the church. So if the first layer is being humble, the second layer is functioning as a part or a member of the church. Look at verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. When we read Romans 1-11, through and we begin this responsive time, what we really begin to understand is this. Our life is not our own. 
Now you need to hear me when I say this. You might agree wholeheartedly with one of these, but you likely will not agree as much with the second. Or it might hit you the wrong way. Our life is not our own. Number one, our life belongs to God. But something that you have to understand if you want to honor God in the church as He has prescribed. Our life is not our own. Listen, friends, and I mean this with 100% seriousness. Not hyperbole at all. Our life belongs to the church. Our life belongs to the body of Christ. Now what is the church? The church is people. The church is God's people who are actively, cohesively pursuing the Lord. And we, as, a part, and we, as professing Christians, are either a part, an active, participatory, progressive, constant, working part of the body of Christ, submitted to the body of Christ, or we are dead in our trespasses and sins. This building is nothing. This building is not the church. This building is not holy. This building is not any such thing. This building would be a daycare if we didn't buy it. This building is holy because God's people have surrendered themselves to each other as holy and consecrated. And we meet together today and make this building what it is because of Christ in us. And the most distinguishing aspect of the local church is that we have submitted ourselves to each other, all lives forming one life. And we must function a large role. We must function as a role player in this body according to the measure of our faith. I want to give you two thoughts, one today. I'll tell you the other one just so, you don't, so you're not left hanging. The first is this, the church is a body. The church is a body. Paul says, for as in one body. This is not an illustration. This is not for the sake of greater understanding. Paul is literally saying, the church is an organism. The church is a body rather than a machine. Now often the church, when it's doing well, functions like a part of a machine. But we cannot just see the church as strictly a machine. We have to see the church as a body, as an organism. When pastors and Christians see the church as a mechanism, we fail. This is why Paul uses the illustration of the body. The church, the body hurts. The church, the body bleeds. The church rejoices. The church falls. The church rises. The church exerts strength. And the church shows Weakness In a normal year for our church, we do, everything we try to do as leaders is trying to run parallel to that idea. All of our statements, all of our plans, all of our events are meant to have continuity to the greater work of the body. Continuity is simply this. It's, a, it's used most commonly now in the electrical field. It means of a continuous or un, uninterrupted succession of flow, a coherent Whole. The church is an organism made up of you and me that gathers its strength from the Lord and does His will as one continuous work. An outside, of view, then an outside view of the church must look more like the workings of a body than the itinerary of a cruise ship. 
When we view the church this way, we will see every aspect of this organism as important. When we view the church this way, this is not hyperbole. We will see every aspect of this organism as important. When we view the church this way, we will see every aspect of this organism as important. We will arrive early and stay late because we know that one major part of this community is this growth or one major part of this body is the community we build and this growth that we build and it takes time it takes intentional moments with each other we will be a part of the events that the church and the organization of the church has planned because they are not just events for their initial purpose right although they are they are also events for growth of the organism we will prioritize missional community groups and gospel circles we will prioritize church events and and activities we will sacrifice we will give and not just expect that of the pastoral staff and a few others we will be patient we will help grow and we will not abandon the church when it doesn't look exactly as we think it should we will earn equity in others lives in order to be able to say the hard things at the right time we will hurt when others hurt. We will celebrate when others celebrate. We will suffer when others suffer. We will feast when others feast. All because the Spirit of God has worked in us one organism out of many. And Jesus is working in each and every part. Do you want to know how you're a part of this living organism? Listen, if I cut my toe, I don't have to tell my head that it hurts because it's a part of that body. If someone's hurting in our organism, we don't have to tell ourselves to hurt or feel sorry because we are a part of this organism. We are a part of the body. We feel it with them. When someone celebrates, we don't have to tell ourselves to be happy for them. We don't have to hold back jealousy or we don't have to hold back this idea of covetousness. What we do is we feel good for them because we are a part of an organism that is celebrating somewhere else. So we naturally celebrate. When someone suffers, when someone hurts, when someone celebrates, when someone's weak, we are all of those things because we are a part of that body. We can't condition ourselves to be more churchy. It is the Spirit of God within us that naturally works in us to feel the things that the rest of that organism feels. And you know when your arm is gone, if it gets chopped off, you know when your leg is gone. Because the rest of that organism tells you. The nerves tell you. The brain tells you. And you feel it. We are a body. Kept alive by the Spirit of God. And as Ephesians says, and we talked about, it's pretty cool because our Ephesians stuff on Wednesday is kind of paralleling a lot to our Roman stuff. Christ as the head. Where all things go to Him and through Him and back to the body. We are a body. And I would be more concerned about how I respond when things happen in the body than whether or not I said a cuss word last week. 
Because one is a slip and the other is evidence that the Spirit of God is working in you. The church is a body. What we'll talk about next week, the church is one body. I've talked about that a little bit, but we will hit on that in a more detailed way next week. I just want to ask yourself, I want to ask us, me too, this question, these questions. Do we have a sober view of ourselves? Not too highly, not too low. Not too highly, not too. Do we see ourselves as formally wretched, formally without hope in the world? Now a new creation. Do we see others as formerly wretched, formerly without hope in the world, now a new creation? Or do we use the wrong standards and measures? Would we humble ourselves today if it meant a closer walk with Jesus and a closer walk in the church? Would we commit to Pray that God would give us a heart like his where he saw others as he where we saw uh, see others as he sees them. Do we see ourselves as an irremovable part of this whole? We have to ask ourselves. If we removed ourselves from this body. Would this body naturally feel the pain of that severed appendage? Is there somebody in here that you have been ministering to? Loving and uplifting. Calling or texting. Exhorting or rebuking. Being a listening ear. Is there someone, if you were removed from this body, that would feel that sting? The, the answer to that, friends, is if there is not. We have two things that we can do. We can repent and believe the gospel. And or we can start making sure that our body part is moving. That we work off the atrophy. Not because of pride and not because of selfishness. But when I die, I want people to feel it like people are feeling it around Don Gill. Because the work that Christ was doing in me is a part of a greater whole. Pray with me today. God, you are so good. We are so unworthy, but somehow you find a way through your grace and love and mercy to call us children of God. And if children also heirs, and one day, Lord, we will be with you either by death or when you return. But what a glorious day it will be. Help us, God, to function in the church, as the church, to the church. 
that we may uplift each other, that the rest of the body may feel our working presence as a part of the organism. Help us to repent when we think too highly of ourselves or we think too lowly of ourselves. Give us a humble opinion of ourselves that allows us to have humble judgment of others also. We love you, God. We praise you for loving us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.